Yo, welcome to Uproar's Rawcast, the brand new podcast from Uproar, where we'll be interviewing everyone from rock stars to porn stars, from actors to influencers, and every couple of weeks we'll be putting out a video with someone new. Today, we thought, because this is the very, very first episode, we'd keep things simple and we'd just take you back to the start. We'd talk about where Uproar came from, how it developed over the years, and we'll just tell you all the stories that we don't usually share. So instead of having a real guest today, I've got Liam. Mm-hmm. Liam's in charge of most things club-related now. He's the guy in the office that makes it all happen. So Liam actually hasn't been with us for that long, like a couple of years, three years? Yeah, about three years. About three years. So he wasn't around for like the first eight and doesn't know a lot of the stuff that happened at the start. So Liam's going to ask me some questions and we're going to just take you through it. First question, why did you bring me in on a Saturday? <laughs> this is the second time we've recorded this. The first time we fucked it up. <laughs> so that's why... <laughs> Yeah, um, yeah. first question, obviously. Um, how did Uproar start? What was the idea behind it? And I guess, yeah, what was sort of like the motivation behind like why you decided to like invent Uproar? So it came around really, really quickly. Basically, give you a really quick overview. So the building that Uproar is in is a big sort of complex. It's got studios on one side, venue on the other side. The studios opened in 2000 when I was in school. In 2008, then, we opened, or my parents opened the venue. And in 2010, I was 21, decided I wanted a club night because I was going out six nights a week with my mate. The going out culture was totally different back then, so it was normal to be out almost every night. There was loads of rock clubs. And we just thought the thing that would be more fun than going to one would be having one. So... We just decided to do our own and it came sort of out of nowhere. I just decided I wanted a club night. Asked my mate whilst we were at the gym if he wanted to be in on it. And he was just like, yeah, fuck yeah, let's do it. So I turned up here, said that I wanted to hire the venue. I booked it out. I paid full price as well. So it was, there was no like family discount for it being a family place. It was just, I wanted to do a club night and they didn't. So I paid full. Yeah. Booked about a year's worth of Saturdays. It was every other Saturday. And in the space of a day, we came up with the name, the artwork, everything sort of involved. The name actually came from Thesaurus because there was another club called Anarchy. Yeah. <laughs> and I typed Anarchy into Thesaurus and Uproar was in there. And I was like, yeah, sounds cool. I'll fucking go with that. <laughs> and that's how it started. That's pretty cool, man. I actually didn't know that bit about it, the thesaurus. <laughs> I actually only remember that this morning because, yeah, I put it in thesaurus, came up with like 30 different names. The other one was Hubbub. Hubbub. <laughs> I'd never heard that. Hubbub is a loud noise. <laughs> or a distracting noise or something. I fucking remember. Hubbub would have been like an a annoying crap noise. name for a club. Imagine yeah. everyone being like, oh, you're going down the hub tonight. <laughs> yeah, it sucked, man. But yeah, that's where uproar came from. Originally, it was spelt correct, and everyone likes to bring that up as like, oh, it was a regular, I was there at the start, I remember it, it was spelt real. Yeah, and then you turned into like Raw XD and all that. Right, you know what's funny is people think that's where it came from. It didn't come from that. Did it you came. just spell it wrong? No. <laughs> I spell most things wrong. I'm dyslexic as fuck. I'm basically illiterate, so that's why we spell it wrong. Now, um... The reason we changed the name was because we found another club called Uproar that was a dance club. Oh, cool. And we just thought we don't want to get confused with those. And there was a t-shirt at the time that the other guy was wearing that did it with me that said Roar and it had a picture of a dinosaur. Yeah. And I was like, let's spell it like that. No, that was it. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know that Roar XD was a thing until like 2017 when someone <laughs> in the office was like, oh, is that where you got your name from? Like, what the fuck is that? <laughs> 
I always thought it was that. No, I fucking never even heard of that. I mean, obviously, at one point when, uh, well, let's probably say from what I know about four or five years in, you guys got a bit of a reputation, right? I mean, it sort of seemed like people were noticing what you were doing. Can you think of like, any particular reason, like, why you were standing out in that climate? Yeah, I mean, we stood out pretty much straight away. I think the, the we were doing everything different to everyone else, but it wasn't intentionally. It was just that I was 21, didn't have a fucking clue. And we just did whatever we thought was funny, whatever we thought looked cool. And the attitude was just that I only want people that are like me in the club. So if I do something and I think it's funny, then the people that I want to come are going to think it's funny. The people that get upset and don't like it can fuck up. <laughs> like, I don't want those motherfuckers here anyway. So that was sort of the concept. And that actually just sort of worked because everyone got the humour. And I think things were a bit different back then. People weren't upset and it wasn't cool to be offended. So us taking the piss out of stuff was funny. We took the piss out of ourselves more than anything else. And a big thing right from the start with the sponsors, because it was really normal to be sponsored by like a drink company, but not normal to be sponsored by a clothing company or something else. And we just went heavy on the sponsors, not because we thought, oh, this is going to make us different, but just because it was like, oh, this is a cool thing. I want to be work with them. Yeah. And that's sort of all that was to it. The very first one was Monster and... I mean, Mon Monster sponsored us for a few years. It was really, really awesome. We did some crazy fucking shit with them. Yeah. And then that went down really hell. Like, down, went downhill really fast. And they were the first company that tried to sue us. <laughs> <laughs> so, are, you, are you allowed to share more on that? Or? I'll, I'll share more. I'm going to get into some trouble for this. I don't care, though. <laughs> so, basically, with Monster, the reason they got involved, and we just got lucky. Oh, yeah, it was lucky, actually is before we even opened the night, I decided that I wanted them to sponsor us because I drank them when I was going to the gym. Yeah. Um, so I spent days tracking down this email address, just going through people and different people and trying to find who to talk to. So I had no idea how it worked. And I eventually got the email address of the owner's son and sent him this long message that I thought was really professional at the time. But looking back, it was not professional <laughs> at all. It was just me being like, man, Oprah's going to be fucking sick and everyone's going to fucking love it and Monster's sick and everyone's gonna, everyone fucking loves Monster. Like, let's just fucking work together. I think I used the word synergy and I was like, this is the biggest fucking word I've ever used. <laughs> let's create some serious yeah. synergy. I was like, <laughs> I've used the word synergy. There's no way they can turn this down. They're going to think I'm well smart. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I'm a fucking genius over here. They're not going to know that I'm like illiterate. <laughs> probably didn't spell it right well, probably weren't even the right word probably said something else um, but the guy read the email thought it was sort of hilarious thought the the way we were talking about it he thought we were a big deal and wanted to come and meet us so when he turned up and he met a couple of oh, I don't know how uh, fucking <laughs> is basically what we fucking were <laughs> I was trying to find a different word whatever <laughs> And we just got on really, really, really well. Yeah. And he just decided, yeah, he wanted Monster involved with us. We got on really good. He just totally got it. And we became the very first club worldwide to be sponsored by Monster. It was before they had a music program. And they sort of were starting it at the same time. So we were part of them developing their music program. We were going to a lot of meetings with them where they were talking to managers and all that sort of stuff. So we, were, we knew what was going on. 
and we just did absolutely fucking loads together. And then <laughs> where after a few years, because we were we were really tight, like we were going to their weddings and all this sort of stuff. There's loads of fucking stories around it. But the owner had another son that basically owned a web company yeah. that built websites and he built our first website. And it worked for a while and then it broke and it was just a total fucking bust up bag of shit that didn't work. Yeah, yeah. And at the time we had about, man, seven, eight people working in the office. And I just got really bored of all the people in the office coming to me every day being like, this doesn't work and this doesn't work and this doesn't work. So I just gave them all his email address and said, email him directly, piss him off until he fucking fixes it. So after about two days, I got this email that was like hardcore rant <laughs> from this dude that was like, how fucking dare you give out my email address to your staff? I don't answer to your staff. I go to the top. <laughs> like it was such a twat email. And I thought it was hilarious. I had met this dude a few times and in all honesty, I thought he was older than me. Yeah. Because he was quite different to his siblings. His siblings were very similar to me. They were awesome. And although we got on, he was very sort of suit official. Yeah. He had a haircut that suggested he'd work in a bank. And he was really, really formal. Like he'd turn up to his own house in a suit. Yeah. Like yeah. for <laughs> breakfast or some shit. Eating his Kellogg's. Just, yeah, up. just <laughs> totally different personality. Very formal guy. So he sent me this formal email that was like ranting. Me being a total wind-up merchant, thought it was hilarious yeah, yeah. and just ripped the fucking shit out of him. I just replied very unprofessionally, taking the piss out of this email, which he didn't like at all. Yeah. And I also swore in it a few times, basically just being like, sort your fucking shit out, fix my shit fucking website and there won't be any problems. Everyone will start messaging you. Like It's an easy, easy solution, man. If you don't want to message, make it work. And he did not like me swearing at him. <laughs> <laughs> he, he got very, very upset at me swearing at him and just went nuts, which made me think it was even funnier. Yeah. So yeah, then I took the piss even more. It got bad fast. His dad then jumped in, who basically owner as, sorry, Monster, as I understand, he had four owners, three that worked and operated North America. Yeah. And this dude that, owned and operated the world outside North America. So he started kicking off at me, being like, you know, how dare you speak to my son like that? And just went nuts. Which, fair play, because he was defending his son. Yeah, Even yeah, though yeah. his son was the one in the wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, that's totally what you should do, so yeah. fair play. I found that extremely funny. Because <laughs> 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 I was only about 22. Yeah. So, and this dude's like in his 50s and he's like, you know, big super fucking successful he's telling you off he's telling me off <laughs> which what's more funny than being told off yeah yeah <laughs> like, so i started taking the piss out of him as well and he was just like that's it monsters never working with you again it's nothing to do with monster but he brought them into it yeah so that's how it ended with monster but then because this website didn't work and it was covered in monster logos he was like you need to take them off and i was like yeah no problem tell your son to fix his bag of shit fucking broken website and I'll take them off <laughs> but I don't have access I can't do it this is the problem <laughs> like so it went legal so monster and what's hilarious is we'd had discussions before because we were friends about them bringing in these like big high profile lawyers that were sorting out a load of shit from them yeah 
So I started getting these extremely formal legal letters from these high-profile lawyers. Yeah. And I answered the same way as I did before, but worse, and was super condescending, was a total little dickhead. <laughs> and I just ripped the shit out of the owner and out of his son, and I copied the owner into it. So the lawyers got these messages that were like, and that they were just like, what the fuck is this? Like, who is this guy? How is he copying in the owner of Monster Energy? <laughs> How does he know these people? He, the lawyer had never met the son. Yeah. Like, so he was replying sort of very formally again, being like, I don't know who this guy is. I don't know anything about what's going on with that. I'm talking about the logos that are on our website. You're in breach of fucking copyright or some shit like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway, <laughs> copied the owner back in, <laughs> ripped the owner, ripped his son, and then got a message after that from the lawyer that was actually from the lawyer's personal email address. So it weren't coming from the official thing. And he basically sent me this really nice message that was like, I don't know what's going on. I don't know who you are. <laughs> I don't know how you know the owner could you please make my life easier <laughs> and just say that you'll take it down but like surely the only person that could actually figure out how to take it down would have been the son right yeah <laughs> which is why i thought it was so funny so they were they were threatening to sue you because you wouldn't remove logos that only the guy they could take down yeah son could remove yeah so but because i got such a nice message from the the lawyer i thought okay i'm gonna stop taking the piss now yeah yeah, yeah. i've like i've probably pushed it as far as i want to push it so i just sent a really nice message back then yeah. to the the main email address with the owner copied in being like yeah no problem we'll sort it yeah that's and then, the first of many times isn't it i mean we did the harry potter theme night we had warner brothers messaging the wrestling night a wwe messaging <laughs> <laughs> yeah <man. laughs> we've been threatened to get sued a few times since then. everyone wants to sue us <laughs> going into the theme nights um I mean, how did you guys decide that's what you wanted to start doing? You know, because there's so much effort that goes into those things. I don't think people actually understand. Like underneath the stage at Uproar is essentially just like so much wood, so much paint, so many tools. Ten years of theme nights. Ten, ten years of theme nights. You know, backstage above there, you've got so much stuff. All around the venue, there's just various little areas with, you know, like a broomstick from the Harry Potter night or like a big Valentine's heart. I hate that thing, actually. It's really heavy. I actually want to get that back out. I think it's fucking <laughs> sick. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, um, like a lot of craftsmanship and a lot of time goes into those events and I don't think people really realise that. So how did how did you essentially get into the idea of, yeah, we're going to do these theme nights and we're going to hand make stuff and build stuff ourselves that's going to be used as part of the stage? That was a real sort of natural progression. Yeah. Um, it was definitely something that made us stand out. It weren't something that was originally planned. It was just that... We started off by doing Halloween. It was the first year we were open. Halloween obviously was a, a, a good one to do. And we just went all out decorating. I just loved Halloween because my mum used to make a massive effort when I was a kid. She'd like decorate the house. And I was like, cool, I'm going to decorate the fucking whole building. So it went from there. And then they, they were just fun. We didn't have any experience of building anything. Didn't have a fucking clue what we were doing. But once we got an idea in our head and... We're in a, like, a unique position because, obviously, it's my venue. Um, so, although when we started, it weren't really anything to do with me. It was like my parents. Over the years, I became more involved. Stuff changed. I brought into it. I'm now, a, yeah, I own it with them. And 
so that gave us just 24 hour access to a massive room that we could build shit in so and there were other guys that worked here at the time that were just really creative so i'd come up with an idea be like what's the most fucking ridiculous thing what's the furthest we can push this to and then i'd go to those guys and be like right let's fucking do this and the three of us there was a guy called rich that worked here and a guy called alex they were both just really creative and they'd just join in and we'd work out these crazy stages i'd sort of plan it all work out how i wanted it to look how i wanted it to be put together i'd buy all the shit it would turn up and then we just sort of go for it and we made it up as we went so with those it just was how far can we push it so one of the first nights was boats and hose night um we built this 24 24 foot i think it was it was huge yacht. Heard the legends of boats yeah man and hose. i mean that was that was a crazy night mm-hmm. so it was this giant yacht it was about six foot tall came out the front of the stage we'd spent literally like 200 hours or something stupid building it we were doing like 18 hours a day building this fucking yacht we started on the sunday after the previous club night because it was every saturday we were here 18 hours a day until the friday we finished it at about it would have been about 11 p.m and we all stood back and looked at it and we were just like fucking shit <laughs> I mean, how bad are we talking you've told me it looked shit before it looked, but- <laughs> it looked like a tugboat right it looked like a shitty little tugboat was it really small i imagine it like really small in comparison to how big the room is it wasn't the size it was the design it was the design it just looked <laughs> like shit it sucked so at 11 o'clock after we'd done all these ridiculous days i was just stood there like guys fucking pull it apart let's do it again we've got <laughs> yeah until this time tomorrow we've got 24 hours let's fucking sort it out and we pulled part of it apart and redid it and it just looked fucking awesome yeah yeah, yeah. and i think making it yeah you learn from your mistakes right yeah, yeah and this was the very first thing we'd ever built we didn't know how we were doing it i had absolutely no experience making things and we just sort of got it right second time around. And then from that, it just gets increasingly fun. Yeah. Um, so things like when we cut cars in half, it was just... Oh, I remember when we had to cut the car in half. I was like the other Halloween. Because you, your whole thing is you want to actually get the car on stage one day, right? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> and how long have you been doing this, Jack? So we've, we've done it about <laughs> four times now over the years. And, and at no point, bearing in mind how good you are at building stuff, have you not considered, let's just build a ramp purely for this i think just, it's cheating you think it's cheating i'll tell you now man there was this time right halloween the other year you had me you four of the guys yeah each with one scaffolding pole My phone's each. going off <laughs> silent each with a scaffolding pole at each three either side trying to lift the car on stage that way i remember it falling and uh and someone very nearly getting injured. Yeah, it was not good, man. It was a bad plan. <laughs> we did it. We did it for like 10 hours trying to push this car on stage using literally just two scaffolding poles and six people. Yeah. And in the end, you like looked like you'd lost the plot a little bit and just pulled out the saw and just started fucking hacking, just it. Started hacking it apart. <laughs> well, we'd, we'd cut our car in half a bunch of times. The first time we did it, again, it was a spur of the moment. What can we do for Halloween? Let's, uh, let's make everything look fucked up. Yeah, yeah. Oh, no, it wasn't Halloween. It was, uh, it was Zombie versus Chavs. So we did a zombie versus chaff night and we thought, okay, what would the bit that'd be like, yeah, it's like breaking, uh, what's it called? Walking dead. Yeah. 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 So we, we thought, oh, we'll do like a scene from that. We'll get a fucked up car. So we went on eBay, brought a car for about 80 quid. Yeah. 
it was from like the other side of London. So me and this dude went down to London, brought it in cash. He drove it back. It was a bag of shit, man. It was bad. <laughs> <laughs> it was totally illegal him driving it because he had no insurance, no MOT. It was, yeah. it was trash. So we drove it back, cut it, started cutting it in half. We like gutted the insides, all the engine, took everything out. Like, yeah. Luckily, one of the guys that worked here before working here had been a mechanic. Mm. So he just stripped out everything that could make it dangerous. We got rid of that and then we got a big fucking saw and cut it in half. And it was just really easy getting half a car on stage. Yeah. Like yeah. with nothing in it, it was fucking easy. And then we did that a couple of times because it was really fun. And then I just thought, yeah, I want to put the whole, fucking whole car on stage. And that just wasn't wasn't happening. You'll get there one day, man. Yeah. but When you decide to just bite the bullet and build the ramp. Build the ramp. <laughs> <laughs> um, what would you say your favourite theme of all has been? I don't know, man. There's been so many. I think my favourite ones are always the Sum of Artists. Yeah. Because we've done a waterfall a couple of times. I've never actually been present for a waterfall one. I've built one of them. But then I was in Barcelona. Yeah, you fucked off in, right. a, in an actual hot tub. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think you did the hot tub one, not the waterfall one. I was on. I'm yeah. not sure, but yeah, they're they're my favourite. They're always fucking crazy. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I've got to go out in one of them. The pictures always look pretty good. Um, so when you went from Birmingham, that expanded to London. You had New- Newcastle, Glasgow at one point, right? How did that even start? How did London, you start Newcastle, new Glasgow. Brighton, no, unlocking all these areas. Yeah, it was everywhere. Um, So that again was sort of a accident. It was we had no intention of doing any of the club nights. Everything was going really fun here, and it was just we wanted to throw bigger parties, wanted to do more crazy shit, and then so many venues started contacting us because we were doing loads of national advertising. We were doing loads with like Front Magazine and Roxanne Kerrang at the time. A couple others, can't remember what they were, but loads with, with front. And again, that wasn't part of any plan. It was just like, oh, what's cool being in magazines? Cool, I'm going to fucking go in a magazine. So we just did all the magazines. And front was full of fucking hot girls. So <laughs> <laughs> obviously we wanted to be in that. And then because of doing that, everyone knew who we were. So all these venues started contacting us, asking us to go and do nights. We turned everyone down. And then one from London got in contact. And... One of the guys representing them was like a family friend and he had, was a massively successful promoter, had done loads everywhere. And he sort of personally came to us and was like, dude, you know, bit of advice, I would, I would go with this. Like, it's a good opportunity. So we were just like, yeah, fuck it, let's do it. So when I did London, we started at Dingwalls, which was sort of really awesome to start off with, but the venue just gave us so much shit. Yeah. Um, so we ended up quitting there and moving and we went from there to the purple turtle and then the purple turtle was just fucking nuts so that that was basically Birmingham was 700 people and 400 of them were like crazy as fuck lunatic motherfuckers and then 300 were just happy to watch (laughs) (laughs) this shit that they were doing in London it was just the 400 fucking crazy ones so it was sort of like concentrated yeah yeah and it, that was just epic we loved that the reason we actually moved from london was funny was because sorry not from london from dingwalls was we'd booked death Havana for a dj set and they turned up they just sold it like done a sold out show at the electric ballroom turned up to dj we were paying them to dj they were like you know 
paid entertainment and the security wouldn't let them in because they didn't have ID. So I got into a massive row with the, the manager and the manager sort of just kicked off and started shouting at me being like, I know what a star is. These aren't stars. I've worked with stars. <laughs> Did you say like he was shouting like, I've worked with the Foo Fighters. I've worked with Dave Grohl. <laughs> so me, again, I was probably 22 at the time. I'm tangled. I'm tangled in my cables. So I was about 22 at the time. Like I was with Monster, found this guy get angry, extremely funny. Was he like proper hard as well? I imagine him to be like Bill. No, what's really funny is there was two guys. There was actually like the GM, a guy called Gordon. He was hard as fuck. Yeah. He was like an Xboxer. And me and him used to get into proper rows. We'd like shout in each other's face. And then, but obviously it wasn't going to go anywhere because we weren't going to end up fighting. Yeah. And yeah. he, he would have killed me. <laughs> I was just this gobby little prick that didn't know when to stop. And he was this genuinely hard fucking dude that was actually really good at running the venue. Yeah. And I saw him a few years later. We, he was walking through Birmingham. I don't even know where he's in Birmingham. And he saw me and came over and was like, mate. And he shook my hand and he was like, I just want to say I was really impressed that you never backed down. <laughs> And I was really honoured by that because, like, I actually thought this dude was really cool. Yeah. And yeah. I weren't intimidated by the argue, arguments. I don't know why. I just, it was just funny. Yeah. So yeah. this dude kicking up at me that could have killed me, <laughs> but he never did. He was way too professional. Yeah. So, but I got on with him really well. But the guy that I argued with, the, the Dave Grohl guy, uh, was a guy called Dave, and he was just a fucking prick. <laughs> and he wasn't hard, as, hard at all. <laughs> he was just like this pudgy fucking overweight short motherfucker that had a complex i don't know he was just a dick sounds like he had a bit of a complex but. so yeah. obviously that's how like london um kind of wrapped up uh, what was the deal with newcastle newcastle we got fucked over yeah newcastle um the the guys that were running it for us screwed us and bas basically there were two guys there there was anton there was chris Ant was our main guy, and Chris was sort of like the helper, sort yeah. of. Um, and we were monthly in Newcastle. It was at the, where was it? A university. And another venue called Legends got in contact and said, we want you to do it weekly here. And the new, the, the the venue that we were at, the, the university, it just wasn't very upright. It was really polished wasn't and it, dingy and sticky yeah it was like yeah. everything had like rounded corners because all the fucking snowflakey students were scared of getting hurt yeah. and it just didn't really fit we had good nights there but it just didn't ever feel right we went to legends and it was proper rock as fuck and we were like yeah this is going to be sick this is where we need to be yeah yeah and and just really hard came in being like, do not do it there. It'll be awful. You'll kill it. You don't want to go weekly. Like we've got a good thing going. Don't fuck with it. It's a really chavvy area. People aren't going to want to come here. Chris was the opposite. And Chris was like, dude, you have to do it. It's sick. It'll be great. Like, let us take this. So we sided with that because he was our main man. And then we turned up a couple of months later and there were all these flyers going around with this club called Alpha. And Ant was on stage being like, man, have you seen this? Like, fuck these guys. Alpha's like plastering everywhere. They're going to take on a pro and they're going to take us out and that they're going to like shit on us. Yeah. Starting a bit of beef. Start, Yeah, it was all all like really aggressive shit that this, this Alpha was posting. And we saw it and we're just like, ah, oh, man, ignore it. Like, who cares? Everyone gives us shit in every city we go to. Like, who gives a fuck? 
And Ant's like, nah, man, don't worry. I'm going to find out exactly who these fuckers are. Like, we're going to take them. <laughs> I was like, all right, man, whatever. <laughs> you do you. I don't give a shit. We get that all the time in Birmingham. And then a few weeks later, we found out that the club was actually Ant's club. Oh. And it was him posting the shit. And where we were paying him to promote uproar, instead he was promoting Alpha. And he had just gone behind our back to the venue and had been like, oh, they're going to turn it down. Give it to me. I'll do it. So it was actually his night that he did behind <laughs> our back with Chris. That's um, some proper snaky stuff. Snaky right motherfucker. <laughs> so, yeah. And some medieval shit. Dickhead. <laughs> Chris, to be fair, tried to get us to do it. So I've got no beef with Chris. Like, we, we still get on. He started another club after that. What's really funny is Alpha did really good for a few years. Yeah. And then Chris, and I think this is, no, sorry, Ant took all of Alpha's money, their bank card and everything they had to Vegas with his uncle and gambled it all and lost it. Jesus. And yeah, I'm pretty sure they went bust over him gambling all their money away. They owed the venues, they were in a load of money as well, so that never got paid. So it all went pretty bad with that. Chris then started his own night though because everyone knew that it was Ant that was the dickhead. And I think Chris had a night called Rise and it did really well. I don't know if it's still going, but yeah, Chris was cool. I'm assuming Southampton's the one where the guy faked his own death then. I always yeah. get confused whether that's Newcastle or Southampton. Southampton, dude, faked his own death. <laughs> <laughs> so Southampton was really cool for a while. He must have thought you sucked. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was a really busy venue. And the guy that, it was cool, man. I really like Southampton. We had a guy called, da- oh, it was David from Berry Tomorrow. Yeah, He was running it for us with a girl called Hannah, I think. I think that was a name. She was cool. Um, and it went really well. It, I, I liked it there. It was good. And then the one night he called us because we had a lot of Friday nights in different cities. So we'd just go to a different city each week. Right. And the one night he called me being like, dude, we've got no money here. The owner came in, he cleared out all the tills and cleared out the safe and just left. Like, it was pretty weird. What do you want me to do? And I was like, I don't fucking know. Like, just tell our guys that I'll transfer them the money and find out what went on. Yeah. Like, yeah, whatever, I guess the owner's doing shit. Um, and then he called me back later on being like, yeah, so there's no money here at all. I can't pay the, the bar staff. I can't pay the, the door staff. Like, And I was like, I don't care. It's not my problem. Like, <laughs> Source it with the bus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I don't pay the fucking bar staff. And then it turned out that he had cleared out the money, left, never came back. And it was reported that he was dead. <laughs> and basically, he had faked his own death. His wife had claimed life insurance and they had run away together <laughs> and got caught. So I don't I don't even know what ended up happening. I mean, they made out with about three grand of our money. Yeah. Which sucked because, yeah, it was a lot of money. But obviously that weren't enough. For us if you're going to fake your legal. death, you might as well do it for a bit more than three grand. Well, it weren't anything to do with us. He, he took all the the venue's money and claimed on the life insurance and the building right, whatever yeah, the fuck you. he could. So he made out with a lot yeah. of money, I presume, because you, you insure yourself for a lot of fucking money, don't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. Our, our portion was extremely small, so no one gave a fuck that we were involved. But to us, it was just sort of funny that this fucker... <laughs> Like faked his, his own death and that's why our club finished because the, the venue closed because he was dead <laughs> but not 
That's brilliant, man. Yeah, I know, man. Um, obviously, over the years, uproars changed a lot. I mean, how would you say the venues changed, the crowds changed, and the general music's changed over time? It's changed quite a lot since we first started. Yeah. The music's changed. It's come back around now to something that I'm actually happy with. Um, at the start, it was a lot less formal. It was the whole vibe was supposed to just be a house party. Like the idea was that it didn't feel like you were in a club. It felt like you're at someone's house party. We were just playing the music that we wanted to play. So like sofas in the smoking area and shit, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 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 there's some there's some other stories about this other stuff. Um but no the the whole vibe was just it's a massive house party and it was really, really positive. It was on the tail end of when emo was sort of really big. So there was still a few years where you could get away with playing Finch and Taking Back Sunday and the used and story of the year and stuff like that. Yeah. And making a noise in my chair. It's a bit squeaky these chairs, man. I know, man. Um, and Easy Core had become a big thing. And Easy Core, again, was, like, really positive. It was all the sort of beatdowns and the heavy side of pop-punk, but it was still sort of positive. And all the videos were house parties. It was all about people having fun. So the first sort of three years, up until 2013, really, it was really positive music. And then after sort of 2013, it was when everything got a bit serious and a bit, like, metal and it went from like house parties in videos to angry men in the woods yeah. burning things and hating life. I just remember about six years straight, every single band would be doing that thing where they were stood against a grey backdrop or a grey sky, just all wearing black, just with their hands in their pockets, just looking at the camera. Like, yeah, it was all about being serious we mean and moody yeah. and life sucking. Like, <laughs> if you had fun, you're a sellout. If you were successful, you're a sellout. If you like girls, you're a sellout. If you like sold albums or people turned up to your shows, you're a sellout. It was all just sort of like, you have to be serious and you have to be miserable. Yeah. And everyone's fucking upset with everything. And that that sort of like permeated our scene. Yeah. And what everyone got a bit too serious yeah. and a bit miserable. And the club night really was the last sort of thing standing where people sort of still just partied and got fucked up. Yeah. But by about 2016, it was just a bit too serious. The music had all got a bit too heavy and we weren't really feeling it. And then we had a couple of years, really, where, I don't know, yeah, it was just a bit fucking moody. Yeah. yeah. Um, so from there then, I think stuff started to change a little bit. Yeah. And it started getting a bit more positive in the last sort of 18 months, really. There's been a lot of stuff that's come out because the sort of mumble rap scene, which was a lot of people that used to be in emo bands, yeah, that yeah, yeah. quit their emo bands because they weren't allowed to do very well. And they became rappers where everything's about fucking being successful and making money. And it's yeah. it, the, in the rap industry, like that's that's sort of the whole point is like you can get away with saying, yeah, totally. I want to be successful, you know, I want to have a good time, I want to have a big house, I want to have a, a nice car. And then with like rock music, it almost became this thing where it was like, if you wanted any of that, then yeah, you were, you were crap basically. Yeah, totally. <laughs> which man. is, which is like, it's interesting to see now how like people like Machine Gun Kelly and Youngblood and Bring Me the Horizon are sort of like taking that sort of rap thing and 
kind of like going, well, yeah, we we do actually want to be successful. You know, we want to yeah. go and play Glastonbury. We want to go and headline, you know, Wembley one day. You know, that's I think that's awesome. I think yeah. it's like really, really good. It is, man. I mean, I think there's the strange thing with the music, with that part of it, is that the bands that made it big at the start, so Paramore, Four Late Boy, My Chemical Romance, you know, Linkin Park. Linkin Park, man, did more than anybody in terms of actual just fucking graft and hard work. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like, it was insane. And all these bands were extremely hardworking businessmen. Like, they, they knew what they were fucking doing. Fred Durst was yeah. a marketing fucking genius. Yeah. Like, Pete Wentz went in fucking was hard. Say, he Pete was in, and Yeah, he was incredible the way that he worked out his deal. Yeah. Like, he had a totally different sort of marketing strategy to any other band that everyone was completely unaware of but he was a fucking genius he worked it out and they fucking worked hard and it was that hard work that built this scene and made all these bands arena bands it was that they were huge and then off the back of all these huge bands everyone started being like no fucking if you work hard if you've got a plan then you're a sellout like fuck the man <laughs> <laughs> And it, it just became a thing of being like, how fast can we destroy our own industry yeah, by yeah. telling everyone they have to fail? Yeah, 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 yeah. Which fucking destroyed it. Yeah. Like the, the average band went from being able to sell out 3,000 people in the academy to struggling to sell 600 tickets here. Yeah. But I guess things go around in circles and now we're at a point where people like Youngblood and Machine Gun Kelly have come from that rap scene where it was okay to be successful. Yeah. And they've come back to... I mean, Machine Kelly was never originally rock, but they've come back to it. And there's a lot of bands that, like Mudson, that was originally in a rock band, did his rap thing and has come back to to rock. Yeah, yeah. And they, they're sort of bringing that hard work ethic back into the scene yeah. and saying it's okay to actually fucking work and to have a plan and to be successful. And that's building the scene back up. And I think it's going to, I think it's on the, the rise again. Yeah, especially with the fucking Travis Barker stuff. It, de it definitely has that feeling, like, even just since like being re reopened, because obviously with Corona and stuff, you know. Yeah, we were closed for a long time. When, when we when we closed, everything was still a little bit moody, you know. Yeah. But since being reopened, obviously between now and you know back when we closed, there's been all these yeah like this wave of new artists just yeah. coming out of everywhere, like Nova Twins and Pale Waves and Youngblood, Machine and Kelly, and they're all just out there killing it. And I mean, I don't even know what half of it is, but our DJs drop it in the club like since we've been open yeah. and everyone just knows what's going on and the vibe is just awesome man it's just like they're all just having a great time and yeah man the, the vibe now is back to what it was like in 2005 yeah where yeah. everyone just wanted to fucking party and it was really fun yeah like and the shit that happened back then that made the club so fun also what got us into a lot of trouble a lot of the time but i feel like that's the sort of stuff that's coming back around yeah. like we did this one competition that I think I've told you before because you want us to bring the competition back. But I've just, for the last couple of years, I've been like, that wouldn't work. So we used to do, um, it was the most extreme picture. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I yeah, shouldn't tell this because we got into so much fucking trouble. <laughs> but we used to do whatever. We'd come up with some epic prize and it was just whatever the most fucking crazy picture is, you win. And we used to do it in London. We used to do it here. And in London, the one night, there was a balcony. Well, the... You know, there was always a balcony, but the one night we did this thing and this dude got his two mates to hold him upside down <laughs> off the balcony. Off the balcony. So like <laughs> one person was eat, holding each leg. They, they dangled him off the balcony and his other mates, the balcony wasn't that high, leant up and poured shots into his mouth <laughs> whilst he was upside down. That is a pretty extreme picture. To that was pretty good. <laughs> that didn't even win. 
uh, obviously the marketing has changed a lot since then right yeah we wouldn't do those competitions anymore yeah now we're just sat here doing podcasts and things yeah <laughs> if if we did that competition now the worst we'd get is someone doing that <laughs> so i think if i did that right now we'd have to blur it out i don't know man <laughs> i reckon we'll get away with it <laughs> which camera we're looking at um so anyway what is the purpose of the podcast just to wrap it up okay so the purpose of the podcast is really we just or i just want to do stuff that i think is fun yeah so when we started up raw social media was totally different facebook was a completely different platform instagram was brand new i think we were the first rock club in the country to have an instagram and it was just really fun and i don't really like other social medias because i'm so fucking dyslexic i can't fucking barely read and write yeah. like i just like instagram because i get to tap the pretty pictures <laughs> like to start off with that was really fun and then i don't know we've been doing it for 10 years and everyone's doing it it's just not that fun anymore yeah. i don't really like the other social medias i just think the sort of shit twitter's just a horrible fucking toxic bitter environment facebook sucks i don't, i've never had snapchat or what's the other one tiktok or any of those yeah, things they just they just don't appeal and i don't want to do things that i don't think is fun because i think having a good time translates yeah of course. and the club is all about having a good time and when i sort of realized that podcasts were a thing i'm very fucking late to the to the game man i didn't realize podcasts were even a thing until last year yeah but it just sort of seemed to make sense that we get all these bands coming and playing the venue we get them all playing or djing the club we work with lots of them in the publishing. It was like, well, why don't we fucking talk to them and we'll put these conversations out there because there's a lot of stories that we can tell. There's a lot of bands that we're friends with. So it just sort of made sense to do that because I think it'll be more fun than posting pictures on Instagram. Yeah. And it's pretty much, <laughs> that's it. Like, it's just me being like, how am I going to enjoy my job more? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I figured this would be sort of fun to do. And I think it'd be interesting for people. And the vlog will follow this around. It'll follow the what's going on in the club night and everything that supports it. It'll just give people a better idea of what actually happens here. Because things like with the theme lights, people don't see them being built. They don't know that we spend like 80 hours yeah, putting yeah. together these things. They just think we turn up on a Saturday. So giving a more in-depth look at everything that goes on and actually just sort of communicating better the stuff that happens here. I think that would just be a, a cool way to move forward. Awesome. And uh, can we reveal any guests that we've got coming up? Or Fuck yeah. Like I'm excited about the guests. So I'm going to talk to the camera. We can't, well, we can't announce everyone yet, but the few that we can announce is the next podcast is Fun for a Friend. We have them next week. Can't fucking wait to have those guys here. We are excited about that one. After that, we've got State Champs and we've got While She Sleeps. We've got some more as well confirmed, but we'll tell you those at a later date. So thank you for watching. Make sure you hit subscribe. Make sure you hit like, hit the bell and anything else you can. Tell everyone that this is fucking sick and you have to watch it and tune back in for the next one with you and for a friend. Thanks, guys. <laughs>